You are listening to the podcast of the Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. CBMW exists to promote the Bible's teaching on men, women, and marriage. Learn more at cbmw.org. I'm Colin Smothers, Executive Director of CBMW. And my name is Denny Burke. I'm the President of CBMW. Today we have the privilege of welcoming David Clausen to the podcast. David is the Director for the Center of Biblical Worldview at the Family Research Council. He is also co-author with Denny and me on a brand new book released last week from Christian Focus called Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage, which is the topic of today's podcast. Welcome to the show, David. Hey, great to be with you, Colin, and uh, what a joy to work on this project with you guys, a needed project, and uh, it's fun that it's finally out there now. Amen. David, why don't you tell us a little bit about this new book that we just released and why it is a project that the Family Research Council saw was important enough to get behind. Yeah, that's right. So, uh, Colin, I've been with Family Research Council since August of 2018. Uh, this is actually the 40th year of the Family Research Council, and, and we are a public policy organization. So we have guys on staff who are, who are registered lobbyists, and we get involved in elections and campaigns and things like that. Uh, but the Lord really put it on our, our president's heart, uh, Tony Perkins, that we need to be doing more to think biblically and theologically about these things. And so that's why they brought me on kind of while I was finishing up my doctoral uh, coursework at Southern Seminary in, in ethics and public policy to, to come on staff and to think about these issues through the lens of a biblical worldview. And it's just so interesting, Colin, as I've gotten into this work now for a couple of years, uh, some of the number one, really, I, I talked to youth pastors and pastors, and besides maybe June of 2022, where there's a lot of questions about Roe v. Wade in, in light of the Dobbs decision, I'd say most questions I get are about sexuality, about transgenderism, uh, about ministering to folks in, in church context who maybe identify as homosexual. And, and so that's kind of where that this this topic was put on my radar and, and why I just, you know, maybe a year and a half ago when you got we started having conversations and you guys are hearing the same conversations that it seemed like this was just a natural project for Family Research Council uh, to come together with CBMW to put out a, a resource for churches and uh, Christian leaders and Christian parents uh, to, to think about all of these issues, whether it's homosexuality, transgenderism, intersex, identity, uh, through the lens of God's word. That's exactly right. That's the same experience that we've had uh, on our end here at Council on Biblical Manhood and Womanhood. Denny, can you speak to that as president of CBMW, why we put resources behind this project? Well, it's because we're just hearing from people. I personally, you too, uh, we're out on the road sometimes speaking and we'll be at churches, we'll be at conferences and people just ask, you know, are there any resources that we can use for like a small group study or something we can use like a curriculum in our church? And so we're getting these questions and there's, you know, there's fine books out there, you know, um, I've written books on these issues before, but it's not the same thing as um, a, a, a resource that's designed for a small group setting for discussion, for personal study, then you come back together with your group. I mean, it, you know, all of our, most of our listeners who have any experience in a church have experienced in some kind of a small group study or a campus ministry, a small group study. And that's what it just seemed like so many people were looking for. And the reason was because practically they were feeling these pressures in their own lives. Um, I can't tell you how different things are now than 10 years ago, going into churches and talking to people and hearing their stories 
you know, 10 years ago, I wasn't hearing a flood of stories from parents and grandparents about children who didn't know their own gender anymore. Uh, that, that just wasn't happening. I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like it wasn't happening anywhere, but it wasn't something that was very common in the church. Now it's everywhere. Every place that we go, there is some person dealing with the transgender question and either it's a pressure at work or it's a, a child that's struggling or a grandchild. I was recently in St. Louis and a grandfather came up to me and his grandchild was in the public school and the, and the public school was sort of shoehorning this child into a, you know, an alternate gender identity. And he was wondering what to do about it. So the practical experiences of people in pews and churches across this country were driving this need. And we just began to hear from people and we wanted to produce something that would meet that need. David, you are pursuing a, a doctorate in ethics and your post at the Family Research Council certainly gives you a, a front row seat to a lot of the the cultural sea changes that we've seen. Just taking a step back, you know, it seems like there's been a rapid acceleration on these issues over the past 10 years in our culture. Can you kind of help us understand what has contributed to that? Why are we getting like, well, these are the main questions presenting to your ministry, to our ministry at CBMW. What What's happened? Why are we here? Yeah, the, you know, Colin, it's interesting to think about that very question, kind of what has happened, because I think two things can be said here. Number one, um, you know, the things that we're dealing with right now did not emerge in a vacuum. Uh, they didn't happen overnight. And yet, in the other sense, the velocity with which the moral revolution has kind of progressed is really stunning. Um, I graduated from college in, in 2014 uh, from a large public university. And at the time, I was able to write articles for this, again, large public university, write articles on why things like don't ask, don't tell were good policy and why you shouldn't uh, overturn um, uh, marriage as understood between a man and a woman. I couldn't do that today. Um, That's right. Part of my job at Family Research Council is I do uh, training in Bible studies with our interns. And, you know, it's interesting, Colin, our interns are kind of 20, 21 years old, and their political consciousness is after Obergefell, they don't really know a world uh, where same-sex marriage wasn't the law of the land. And, and so I think a lot of things are a part of that, just with the velocity. I think I think probably uh, the three of us have all read Nancy Piercy's book, Love Thy Body, uh, where she gets into uh, personhood theory, this idea that uh, when we think of the human being, kind of there's a top tier, which is the immaterial mind, spirit uh, versus the lower tier, which is your body. And personhood theory would tell you uh, that our body is really incidental to who we really are. This is really kind of just Gnosticism uh, 2.0, so to speak. So I think that that getting in the bloodstream of our culture, that is underlying it in academia and kind of in the, the institutions that we deal with. Uh, I think one other thing I'll say is increasingly we live in a post a post Christian culture. Uh, I work with George Barna, the well known researcher. Uh, when we launched the Center for Biblical Worldview at FRC, we wanted to know what is the worldview of our of our friends and neighbors. Uh, he so we we did a massive nationwide survey uh, asking people basic questions on belief and behavior. And George came back and showed that although 51% of Americans think they have a biblical worldview, which, by the way, that has implications for how we do evangelism and missions, it's actually only 6%. Uh, when you go into the church, because we also took the same poll into the church, 81% of those who attend evangelical churches 
had what you would call biblical worldview based on George's 54 question survey. 81% think they have a biblical worldview. Hmm. Uh, but when you actually measured it for belief and behavior, it was 21%. Uh, I know Denny's a pastor. I can't imagine you'd be happy if only one out of five people in your pews actually were thinking biblically about things. So Colin, more could be said, but uh, the, the rapid uh, acceptance of personhood theory, uh, relativism, radical individualism that uh, Carl Truman talks about, uh, the sexual revolution, I think all of these things uh, that uh, rise in technology like social media, uh, which has uh, kind of made this almost like a social contagion, I think all of these are contributing factors. And when they all come together, you get the velocity that you see um, with things related to LGBTQ plus, plus, plus. I think that's really well said. We're, we're seeing and we're living in a culture of massive change. And sometimes the the change has been really difficult to even keep up with. You know, the questions that people are asking even five years ago are not the questions they're asking today. But one thing that doesn't change and thank the Lord that it doesn't is God's word. So Denny, I don't know that if you could help us uh, understand how this curriculum that we've put out um, helps Christians to think in the pews um, biblically uh, from God's word, God's unchanging word about gender, sexuality, and marriage. Well, really the touchstone for everything we're trying to do in this book is to apply scripture to these contemporary challenges. So we want to be following the pattern that Jesus set for us. So in Matthew 19, Jesus gets this really tough question about divorce. And Jesus answers that question, not first by addressing the morality of divorce, but by talking about what the meaning of marriage is. And he says, have you not read that from the beginning, he made them male and female and the two shall become one flesh. So when Jesus explicates the, the deepest, most basic meaning of marriage, he goes to Genesis one and Genesis two, before there was any sin in the world, before anything was broken or messed up or fallen. And he talks about what marriage was like there. And then that becomes the touchstone for really the, the, the entirety of, of the Bible's sexual morality. So um, Jesus says, have you not read that from the beginning, it wasn't this way? In, in other words, from the beginning, we didn't see this brokenness that we had seen see in the, in, in the scripture that they were asking about concerning marriage. We saw this original design of one man and one woman coming together in a covenanted union for life. And that marital union is predicated upon the ability to distinguish a man from a woman. And if you can't do that, then you you can't understand the marriage union. You can't understand what a um, what God's calling is on individual males and females. So, I mean, Jesus is really giving us the direction that we need for understanding uh, what the scripture says about this. So Jesus used the Bible when trying to explain uh, these matters of sexuality and gender, and we're trying to use the Bible. And so, and we're trying to go back to the very beginning, the biblical foundations in Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, and then see how those are played out over the entire storyline of Scripture. And it turns out that some of these issues we're facing today that you're not going to see explicit mention of in the Bible, like intersex, although Matthew 19's reference to eunuchs from birth could could be that. But you're not going to see the word intersex. You're not going to see the word transgender or really anything that that resembles it. Nevertheless, the Bible's testimony is apt and sufficient for these challenges that we're facing because 
it gives us the truth of what it means to be created as male and female in God's image. And that's really our burden in this book is to try to reassert what Christians have always been saying from the very beginning. It's really not to innovate, but to call people back to what the ancient faith has always taught. That's right. And I think we should mention the format of this study that we, we put out, we wrote. So it's eight chapters, uh, broken up to, you know, broken into eight weeks of, of study on these different topic topics, uh, homosexuality, transgenderism, marriage, foundational hermeneutical principles. And each, uh, chapter comes with a video component to it. So we've gotten leading Christian thinkers like Albert Moeller and H.B. Charles and Heath Lambert. Denny, you do a video. Um, Rosaria Butterfield gives a testimony. Uh, and so these these videos are meant to accompany each week, each study group. Um, if you're doing it with your Sunday school, if you're doing it with your small group, uh, maybe even you're doing it as a, as a family. You're able to read the material, you're able to put on these videos, and then each chapter is accompanied by, uh, kind of scattered throughout, questions that naturally, you know, occur around these topics with with given answers, suggested answers to these questions. So it's really conducive for for leading, um, you know, a group or um, a, a fellowship through the, through these really difficult topics. Again, uh, predicated on the timeless word of God. But I want to touch. Uh, just briefly on that last that last point that this could actually be used in a in a family setting and David I know that's something that you're thinking a lot about you think about the family uh, at the family research council um how concerned are you about the the natural family in the sea change that we're seeing right now in our culture yeah the family research council is really concerned about the family it's actually in one other ministry that we started recently is actually like a men's ministry called our stand courageous men's ministry and a lot of folks in washington dc kind of looked at us like what, what are you guys doing why are you launching a christian's men's ministry because and our answer was we're concerned about the family we're concerned about men uh, we're concerned about men being husbands and fathers um as, as the bible kind of talks about that and so I think that that really is the hope because like, like Denny said a moment ago, there are some really good books uh, written by some of our friends actually on some of these issues. But what sets this resource unique is that it really is designed kind of for that small group setting. And I think um, uh, y'all's colleague at Southern Seminary, Don Whitney, always talks about family worship. And I think you could even use this book in that context. And I, I imagine someone listening to our conversation could say, well, my goodness, I'm not an expert on transgenderism and Honestly, I might need a dictionary to look up the term intersex, but what's helpful about this resource is we we ask the questions, but then I think you mentioned this, Colin, we answer those questions at the end of each chapter. And, and so again, because the three of us, we, for better or worse, we think about these issues all the time. And, and that's what you sign up for when you work at FRC or CBMW. But I, I recognize a lot of faithful Christians are just trying to live their lives. They're trying to be faithful at work. They're trying to be faithful and present in the home, and maybe they don't have the bandwidth to think about these all the time. And that that's okay. I think that's where this resource can kind of come alongside uh, the discipleship uh, that I would pray is happening in most Christian homes. That's very good. Denny, do you have anything to add to that as far as how you hope this resource can be a benefit to families and churches? I really hope that it's something that um, college groups Maybe even um, older youth groups could be able to use um, so, so that it could be integrated within the student ministries of churches. 
And that has an impact on, on families all by, all by itself. And so I'm hoping that, that churches in particular will pick this up. I do think it's useful if people want to pick it up individually, but I really hope that it gets in the hands of, of students. The resource is Male and Female, He Created Them, a study on gender, sexuality, and marriage, published by Christian Focus, March 14th of this year. If you go to hecreatedthem.org, not only will you find links where you can purchase this book, but also other resources related to this book and things coming out of FRC and CBMW that would help you and your family and your church to think biblically about these issues. Special thanks to David Clausen for coming on the podcast today. And don't forget, visit hecreatedthem.org to buy your copy of Male and Female, He Created Them. Resources like the CBMW podcast are made possible by generous donations from listeners like you. Please consider giving at cbmw.org forward slash give. Thanks for listening.